Should I buy a new or used car? Part two. Buying a new car is far more expensive than buying a used car. We covered that in part one. You remember that the total cost of operating a new car, a $40,000 purchase, a used car, a $16,000 purchase, or a very used car, a $10,000 purchase, over five and 25 years is as follows. For a new car, the total cost would be 56000 over five years and 170000 over 25. For a used car, that'd be 15000 in the first five years and 27000 over 25. And for a very used car, $13,000 over both. So you could get a very used car, a $10,000 car, and it would cost you total $13,000 over 25 years. A new car is going to cost you 170000 thanks to that handy-dandy opportunity cost. If you didn't listen to part one, go back and listen to that one first. But when then? When should we or can we buy a new car versus buying a used car? We know it's more expensive, and so let's look at the math and emotion to see when we can. Let's examine where should you be financially and where might you want to be with your values before buying a new car. First, your financial position that you should be in before buying a new car. I know many people who make $45,000 per year and make payments on a $60,000 truck. This is absurd in the extreme. Rule number one, and this is an easy one, is that the purchase price of your vehicle should not exceed your annual income. This should be obvious to people, but it's not because people buy it all the time. Just because a financing company will finance you a car that is more expensive than what you make per year doesn't mean you should do it. This is an easy rule of thumb and it applies to absolutely everyone. But let's take it a step further. The five-year operating cost of a vehicle should not exceed half of your annual income. If you make $40,000 a year, you don't get to buy a $40,000 vehicle even if the dealer will finance it. The net operating cost is $56,000 over five years. So buying it exceeds your annual income. Indeed, you should be earning twice that before buying a new vehicle. Looking at that $60,000 truck, you better be making over $150,000 per year before you even think of a vehicle that expensive. You may have also heard of rules of thumb like you should be a millionaire before you buy a brand new car. Only then can you take the financial hit. And that's also good advice. It truly comes down to this. Do you have enough cash flow to fund everything else you need and want to be doing? Or is too much going toward your vehicle? You should have a fully funded emergency fund and be saving enough for your desired retirement and goals before buying a new car. You should have a fully funded emergency fund and be saving enough for your desired retirement before buying a new car. That last part is going to look different for everyone. If you're young and on top of it, 10% going toward a a good retirement investment strategy may be enough. But maybe you're 50 and you're behind on saving. You're trying to invest yourself and you're in a poor investment strategy because you can't withstand market volatility. You may need to save 25 to 40% of your income to catch up. You need a retirement plan to know if you're saving enough for retirement. If you aren't currently saving enough, it's likely because your vehicle cost is too high for your income and life situation. Others will say that you should be completely debt-free before buying a new vehicle, or that you must be able to pay cash for it. 
Maybe, but those are tactics to achieve a desired outcome. Be debt-free so you can have the cash flow to save enough for retirement. Well, what if you already are saving enough? I have plenty of clients that carry vehicle and mortgage debt even if they could pay it off. Their retirements are fully funded, and they're achieving all their other goals. Becoming debt-free is a means to an end, having the cash flow to save. Many, perhaps even most, need to be debt-free to be able to save, but some don't. Only pay cash for your vehicles. If you don't pay in cash, then don't buy it. Maybe. But if you are on track for retirement and your other goals, is saving up cash in a bank account for five years so that you can buy a car in cash the best use of your money? Should you drain $40,000 out of an investment account, earning 10% on average, to avoid paying 3% on a vehicle loan? As long as you have plenty of cash flow on top of a car payment, leaving the money invested may be a better option. A better rule of thumb would be this. Only buy a vehicle that you could pay for in cash, even if you choose to finance. Again, only buy a vehicle that you could pay for in cash, even if you choose to finance. Most people have way too much debt, not enough cash flow, and are way behind on saving for retirement. A new vehicle is entirely out of the question. But for those who are doing everything they should and need to be doing financially, they have the financial freedom to buy a new vehicle if it aligns with their values. And that's the next big if. Does buying a new vehicle align with your values? What do you value? What do you say that you value? And those can be different. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We may say we value certain things, but our spending reveals what we truly value. We may say that we value our faith, our spouse, our children, our friends, our church, serving in the community, charity, etc. But does our spending align with those? Let's look at some of these commonly stated values. Faith, church, and charity. Many people of faith, Christian, Muslim, Jewish, or other, claim that their faith and their community of faith are of great value to them, perhaps their highest value. Yet on inspection, they give none of their money to their highest value. The average American gives about 1% of their income away. And that's not to say that most are giving. Au contraire, the vast majority of Americans give nothing. Some give a nominal amount, perhaps 50 to 100 bucks a year, and the 1% average comes from the very small minority who give much, much more than that. Christians are a bit better, averaging 2% of annual income donated charity, usually to their church and other Christian organizations. But this is the same phenomenon. Most Christians give nothing, and a tiny minority are very generous. I haven't read any concrete studies on people of other faiths, but I have heard that it is similar. People of faith give a bit more than the general average, but not by much. This is borne out in my tax preparation experience as well. For the last two years, you could have received a tax deduction for up to $300 and $600 of donations to charity. The vast majority of returns claimed zero. They did not give a single dollar away for charity. A few gave between zero and 300 bucks, and a few more than that gave 8 to 15% of their annual income away. In my experience, there are more people who are very generous than those who give a couple of hundred bucks. The vast majority give nothing. It bears emphasizing that many Americans claim to care deeply about specific causes. 
homelessness, immigration, racial progress, gender equality, gay rights, the institution of marriage or family, etc. The number of causes to care about are endless. And the passionate advocacy espoused by many on their values might cause you to believe that they genuinely value these causes. Their spending would disagree. The vast majority of people give absolutely nothing to the causes they pretend to care about. Put your money where your mouth is. If you are not actively donating to a cause, shut up about it. I can't possibly give to all the causes I care about. Then care about fewer causes. Make a donation and a difference on a few critical issues instead of spouting off on social media about all of them. If everyone stopped trying to care about everything and did something for one thing, the world would change. Spouse and Children If you have a family, chances are you would rank your relationship with them right at the top of your values. Does your spending reflect that? How much do you spend on your marriage? Not just how much do you let your spouse spend. How much does your household spend on your marriage? Do you have a monthly date budget? Are you actively and intentionally spending time and money cultivating and fostering intimacy in a deeper relationship? Do you spend money and time on marriage books, conferences, and counseling? What about your children or grandchildren? If you have minor children, you are spending a boatload on simply keeping them alive. But beyond their existence, are you investing money into growing the relationships? Are you spending money on experiences with your grandchildren versus sending them a Christmas birthday gift? If you truly value these relationships, you will invest money into them. What does all this have to do with buying a new car? Vehicles are the largest depreciating asset we buy. They are a significant expense and have the potential to be a massive expense. For many, they are so expensive that they don't have the money to invest in any of their other values. Let's assume that you are financially fit to buy a new car. You could pay cash for it, even if you don't, and you're on track for retirement. Should you buy a new car? Is that the best use of your money? Does it most closely align with your values? I know way too many people driving new cars, and they would rank their satisfaction with their new wheels at a 10, but would give their relationship with their kids a 5 out of 10. I know far too many people driving the car of their dreams and their marriage is a nightmare. Too many people cry and rant on social media about issues and causes they pretend to care about but don't give a dime to any charity doing anything about it because they have too much going out in their car payments. Align your use of capital with your values. Even if you can truly afford to budget $800 per month for a vehicle, perhaps you should budget $400 instead. Spend an extra $200 on your marriage, $100 on experiences with the kids or grandkids, and give $100 to a worthy cause every single month. And watch those relationships and your involvement in those causes flourish as a result. In part one, we talked about the opportunity cost of investing the extra money in the stock market. If you spend all that money on a new car, you are giving up the opportunity to invest that and earn hundreds of thousands of dollars. But what about the opportunity cost to your relationships and your personal character of sinking too much money into new cars? You can always get more money. You can't always repair a broken relationship. Put your money where your mouth is. You aren't buying a new car because it's cheaper to operate. We dismantled that in part one. You aren't buying a new car because it's safer. 
safety standards haven't increased measurably from 2018 to 2022. You aren't buying a new vehicle because your family needs it. A used vehicle has just as much utility. And the newer connectivity and tech and the latest models aren't worth the tens of thousands of dollars you'll pay extra. The only reason to buy a new car is the status it gives you. And there's nothing wrong with that. And if you truly value status above your family, faith, and friendships, then buy a new car before spending money on any of those things. But for most people, we will rank those things higher than new car status. Invest money into those higher values first. So we come back to our original question. Should I buy a new or a used car? If you are financially and emotionally fit, you can choose to buy a new car. If you could pay cash for the car, you're on track with your financial plan for retirement and other goals, and the five-year operating expense is less than half of your annual income, you are financially fit to buy a new car. If you rank your relationship with your spouse and kids as a 9 or 10 out of 10, you are investing the right amount of time and money into those relationships, and you are giving to the causes you truly care about, then you are emotionally fit to buy a new car. Check both of those boxes. Have at it. Not yet? Then buy a used or a very used car and invest the difference into the people, causes, and goals you genuinely care about. Next week, we'll be back with should we buy or lease a vehicle. Assuming that you've decided to buy new or new-ish and you have both of those options available, what is the best option to choose? We'll be back next week with that answer. If you enjoyed that, you would love being part of our free membership community. It's called Retire Membership and has a host of benefits all for free. For example, you can always buy my book, 3D Retirement Income, on Amazon. But if you join us at Retire Membership, we will send you either a hard copy or paperback for free, provide the ebook and the audiobook so that you can listen to it if you don't have time to read it. In addition to that, we'll also provide you with a bunch of content that you can't get anywhere else. For example, we have our quarterly Retire Mentorship magazine which comes out quarterly and has no ads whatsoever. It's just timely content to help you stay the course. We also have workbooks for our free online workshop to help you get the most out of those, flowcharts to help you make better decisions, and a weekly email to provide timely content that you can unsubscribe from at any time. We never ask for any payment information and we never share your information with anyone else. We just want to provide timely content and help you stay the course to retire successfully and stay successfully retired. There's no reason to wait. So join us now at retiremembership.com where you can click in the link in the description and it'll go right there. We can't wait to see you in the community. Cheers. This podcast is educational only and is not investment, tax, or legal advice.